Welcome to Mission Unplugged, genuine conversations about Christian faith in action with young innovators locally, nationally, and globally. I'm Mitch. And I'm Elise. Welcome to this episode of Mission Unplugged, our last episode of season one and the last episode for 2020. This month, Mitch sat down with Ben Rowe. Ben is an urban missionary and the founder of Streetlight Community, a Christian youth outreach based in the northern suburbs of Adelaide. Streetlight operates in the Elizabeth City Centre and Elizabeth Skate Park with 30 volunteers from 12 different churches, creating safe spaces for young people to gather, spend time in community and explore life together. Streetlight was awarded the Community Group of the Year for 2020 by Playford Council. I loved hearing um, Ben speak about, through all his searching, how God called him to exactly where he already was. And then hearing how God has really grown Streetlight through that calling. And what has really stuck with me after this conversation was the way that Ben and the Streetlight team intentionally look for the way that God sees people, looking for the goodness and beauty that God has put in them, no matter their circumstance. Enjoy this episode of Mission Unplugged. And God took me to a scripture in, the, in 1 Samuel, verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 7, where, where God takes uh, Samuel to, to Jesse's house to anoint the next king of Israel and, uh, and challenges Samuel's perception of the next king. Um, you know, he picked the eldest son, the strongest, tallest, and, and God says, don't judge by the outward appearance because man looks at the outward appearance and judges, but God sees the heart. And so God challenged me that day, could I see beyond the outward appearance, the problems, and actually see the heart, and at the heart of all humanity is the image of God. G'day Ben, welcome to Mission Unplugged. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Uh, Awesome Mitch, thanks for having me. Um, So tell us a bit about yourself and uh, the work that you do, What's, what's been going on? Yeah, so I um, so I'm 31 years of age um, and uh, married uh, my wife Annie and uh, have two uh, beautiful kids and one on the way. So uh, life is full on. We uh, we run a uh, a bit of a street youth outreach in the northern suburbs of Adelaide, um, and uh, just to make things a little bit more interesting, we're also renovating our house at the same time. So life is full on. No shortage of chaos in that setup. No, not not at all. Um, so. Tell us a bit about your story. Um, what's your What's your story of faith? Did you grow up in the church, in Christian family, or? Yeah, so I uh, I was fortunate enough. I uh, I grew up um, in the, the mid north of SA on a farm. Um, I'm one of four boys, and uh, and mum and dad. Uh, yeah, we we grew up in the church. Um, so always had that uh, that modelled um, lifestyle, I guess, of faith um, from a young age, and uh, and then um, that sort of came through my teenage years. Um, and uh, and then I guess I really um, coming into adult adulthood or um, adolescence um, when you've got to sort of make your mind up yourself that this is a, a pathway for yourself. I probably really um, sort of just settled and coasted for a while. Um, never really stopped believing in God, but probably stopped pursuing God um, when it was on my own back to do so um, until I uh, I really came back to faith in the uh, around 2010, um, and uh, and that was where God sort of um, I think he he sort of took a hold of me and uh, um, and yeah, sort of my journey changed a lot from that point on. Um, in that time, that 
that modeling that your family provided um, and also church involvement and all that stuff, who are the people that really formed your faith and what did they teach you about how to understand life, faith, God? Yeah, I think it's a mix a mix of uh, my own experiences of um, grappling with, um, I guess, trying to figure out your purpose in life, what you're going to be doing, um, and really probably struggling a fair bit with that. Um, I had a fair idea of what I wanted to do, the, the pathways I wanted to go down in life, um, the skills that I was good at, the, the careers that would make me um, a, a nice, comfortable lifestyle. Um, but then as I started pursuing these three or four different career pathways, finding that they didn't bring the satisfaction that I had thought they would. Um, um, you know, finding that relationships that I'd entered into weren't as fulfilling as, as the world would sell us that they would be. And so grappling with all these things together, um, I guess it, it brought me back to a place of, of coming back to that foundation that I'd seen in my family um, in a lifestyle model to be by my parents that, um, that really showed that giving was more blessed than receiving. Um, grew up in a household that was just very generous um, and so I'd say, yeah, my mum and dad have certainly modelled that lifestyle that, that Jesus calls us to live a life beyond ourselves um, has been something that's been probably the strongest model in my life. Um, and then, yeah, certain uh, high school teachers and pastors and um, people alongside me in life that have, have brought me into that direction. Um, and probably the most, uh, um, for a long period of time, I, I studied um, at Bible college or um, in, in Adelaide at Tabor University and uh, um, my lecturer David Turnbull he was uh, certainly um, around uh, missional formation and uh, um, intercultural studies was certainly very formative in my uh, in my views as uh, as I journeyed into into the ministry context those those skills and career paths that you mentioned you were looking at earlier do any of those still play a part in what you're doing now um I guess they've helped shape me a little bit, but early days after high school, I went into financial planning for a year. I then went and studied pure mathematics at university. Okay. I, yeah. I then went and joined the police force and I've done farming, fencing, a wide range of things that are pretty well unrelated from one another. Um, yeah. So they, they went. That's from, a very broad. That's a very broad skill set. Yeah, they went from things that I thought would make me money, things that I was good at, and then eventually ended up doing things that uh, you know I thought I needed some discipline. So I joined the police force, and and ultimately I went back to do um, what uh, a lot of people do and go back to what their father does and uh, uh, worked for my dad for a bit. But uh, but ultimately I couldn't get away from this uh, this pulling that uh, I felt God calling me to to ministry to to walk alongside young people in helping them discover their purpose, um, which was exactly what he'd been helping me to do during that process. Mm, yeah. So on on that, like mission, justice, um, you know, community engagement, all these things, what do you consider to be your first experience of mission? Mm. Yeah, I guess um, at a young age, my family decided to move over to the West Coast um, to Sejuna. Um, a, a heavily indigenous population, um, and uh, and that was very different from the the mid north of SA where I'd grown up um, prior to that. Um, and and so we had you know there was a bit of a, a cultural difference um, being immersed into that experience, um, and and that was probably my very first encounter with with something different um, is probably what I what I describe with that having a, a, an experience of mission. 
Um, but during those years, and that was when I was about, um, I don't know, year three to year six in, uh, in, in primary school still. Um, yeah, okay. So very young. Very young. But in that time, I really remember seeing different um, missionaries that would come over and visit the, the community or visit our church and, and just witnessing these missionaries and seeing that there was some kind of hunger that was birthed in me back then um, that, that I longed to be you know, a missionary. Um, there was some inner deep calling um, that God was sort of planting in me from a young age. Where did that calling take you? Um, so that calling, um, I guess uh, I got married in 2012 to my, uh, my beautiful wife, Annie. And, uh, and as before we were getting married, she, uh, we were talking about you know, our life and directions. And, and she got out of me that, uh, that God had been uh, yeah, giving me a, a passion for mission. And, uh, and there was a location that I wanted to go to that I felt God had put in my heart, which was um, Madagascar off the south coast of Africa. And, uh, and my wife's question to me was, why haven't you gone yet? Um, so she was a, she's, a good, she's a good challenge for me, just what I needed. And, uh, and so we actually planned a trip a year after we got married, um, went over there to, to ask God the question of, God, is this where you're calling us? And if so, then give us both a sense of peace and we will you know, pack up, sell up and move over. Um, we went there as well as a few countries that my wife had lived overseas for um, a year earlier. And, uh, and ultimately, every location we went to, we didn't feel that sense of united peace. Um, for about six weeks, we were traveled around and both in rural, in city, and, uh, and had some amazing times, but didn't sense this peace that God was saying, this is where I want you to be. Um, until we got back to Adelaide and uh, we got off the aeroplane and both just had this immediate sense of peace that God was calling us to exactly where we were. Um, and, uh, and our question to God was, well, God, that's not how mission works. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, it's always, always risky when you start saying to God, no, hang on, I've got the definitions here. <laughs> yeah, so God had to redefine that sense of mission for us where our understanding became that mission wasn't about a place we go for a limited time, but mission became, uh, yeah, instead of a, a location to go, it became a lifestyle to lead. Um, and it was just a part of everyday life, being on mission with God, not going places and doing stuff for God. Yeah, yeah. That, that sense of place and that sense of embeddedness and um, a, a long-term commitment to a place, a people, a location is also really important to, in how I understand mission and I know many people that I talk to. Out of your experience, what are the things that help you do that? Mm. Yeah, I, I think that um, in, our, in our context, looking at mission differently, um, in, that, in that trip we went around, we, um, we ran into a lot of missionaries in different places and and for a lot of people, mission was almost like a checkbox in a, in a, in a list of like, you know, our bucket list yeah. of let's tick the box yeah. and say, I've done mission for God. Now I can get yeah. on with my life. Um, and I so, can go back to being my, a financial planner um, slash cop. Yeah. Exactly. And, and so for us, it was more about going, how do we actually look at the life of Christ and not just call ourselves a missionary, not just call ourselves a Christian, but actually model the way we live around the, the model that Jesus has set for us and see that he's ultimately our example. And when we say we're following him, um, to ask ourselves the deep question of, are we really? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I think that, uh, you know, what really 
um, stems at the heart of our of, of our mission or engagement is is looking at the life of Christ and seeing how are we following Him in today's um, society. Mm, yeah. yeah, I'm right in saying that you work for a church. Yeah, you're based in Elizabeth, working at one of the churches there. Not anymore. Um, so I so I worked for the uh, the Elizabeth Church of Christ for for five years. I um, I was running the uh, the youth ministry there at the church. Um, and, uh, and since, um, about two years ago, uh, almost now, um, I've stepped out and running this, uh, the ministry of streetlight full-time, um, as an urban missionary now. So it's a, uh, yeah. new season. So what was it that first drew you into working in the church? And then what was it that drew you out of the church <laughs> into the neighborhood? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess, um, coming back from, from that trip to, to Madagascar and Southeast Asia, um, I really felt this sense that, um, as I was just, you know, I, I went back working for my dad, um, around farms and doing fencing in the, in the mid North of SA. And, and I really just looked at young people and God was just drawing me to young people and seeing that, you know, 10 years earlier when I was leaving high school, that, you know, if we wanted to access, you know, drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever it was, any of these temptations that we're faced with as a young person, we had to go out and secretively obtain whatever it was. Whereas now society had done a 180 and these exact things that we had to go out and get were now coming after our young people. Um, and I really just saw the, the battle and struggle it is for a young person to, to live a, a moral, upright, righteous lifestyle. Um, and, uh, and especially even for those that didn't grow up in the faith, to how do they actually find their identity and their purpose in life without those examples around them. So I felt like God was just calling me to, to journey alongside of young people. And, uh, and yeah, weirdly enough, some connections were made. And, uh, and one day I, uh, I found myself um, in a, a pastor's office being interviewed for a youth pastor's position. Um, had no <laughs> ministry experience um, other than my life. And, uh, and yet, um, yeah, God uh, was, was presenting me with an option to be, become a youth pastor uh, full-time in a place that, um, I don't know where your listeners are, uh, are based, but um, Elizabeth probably wasn't on the highest um, suburb pick of, uh, of where I wanted to go. My high school teacher said to us in high school that the last place in life you want to end up is Elizabeth. So it's probably the, the yeah, lower, okay. lower socioeconomic area in Adelaide. Um, but yet God had different plans. Yes, as God often does. Um, so tell us about the work you've been doing there. Tell us about Streetlight. Yeah, so um, I guess it was probably about three years into my, um, my journey as a youth pastor. Um, I was reading through um, just the gospel stories, just having this, this moment where I was reflecting back on how much of the ministry that I was running you know, we got caught up in running youth group, just you know, the programmatic style of Sunday service, Friday youth group. And, and asking the deep questions of how much of the ministry actually reflected the lifestyle and ministry of Christ. Um, and, uh, and everything we were doing was just inside the four walls. And got to, to reading Matthew's gospel and not long into the, uh, in there, you know, Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16, it says that we're the light of the world and no one hides their light under a bowl. Uh, and, I, and I really felt God confront me and, can, uh, and just challenge me, were the four walls of the church becoming my bowl? Um, and, uh, and, you know, raising my awareness of, did I believe that God was alive and active out in the community around me, not just in the four walls? So, 
uh, my vol- a few of my youth leaders and I, we stepped out of the church and uh, we just walked our community asking a question of God, what are you doing and how can we join in? And, uh, and God just drew us to, to see things a little bit differently that we would see a kid being chased by a security guard for stealing and feel God's presence drawing us there um, where in normal society that, those kind of things repel us away. Um, mm. Yeah, but when we look at someone the, else's problem, yeah, and, and problems to avoid rather than opportunities to engage. Mm. Um, so having that that shift of perspective, which I think that as we read the uh, the gospel, but also just the whole of scripture, we see God challenging people's perspective, whether it's about their belief about themselves or their opinions and um, perspectives they hold on other people or suburbs in our case. Um, that God actually has something different that He sees than what we see. Um, so I think that changing that perspective on how we view um, our spirituality, how we view uh, society around us, how we view being a Christian, um, how we view mission, you know, gaining God's perspective rather than just holding to our own. Um, and that, that led us to, that really led us when we, uh, when we started, um, you know, it wasn't called Streetlight back then. It was just some volunteers from a church hanging out in the community. Um, but we... We saw this kid getting chased away by a security guard because he'd stolen something and just really felt compelled by God that he was present there and he was calling us to be present with him. Um, we didn't know how it was going to look, but we, we phoned the shopping center management the following day and asked for permission to, to go and hang out with some of these troubled young people. And uh, the shopping center gave us permission. So we, we came along there the following week on a Thursday night where it's at its busiest point, where they have late night trading. And we took, um, it was my wife, myself, our three-month-old baby, and a hacky sack and a bag of nail polish. Um, <laughs> and we just asked kids if they wanted to kick a hacky sack or get their nails painted. And majority of the time, their re- response to us used a few expletives and usually went along the lines of, you know, who the F are you? <laughs> um, but over a course of time, you know, we were able to build some trust in the, in the lives of young people that didn't know what trust looked like. Um, and, uh, and you know, four years in now, we've been there. We go there every Thursday night. Um, we've been able to build some beautiful relationships with the young people, develop some trust and see that, you know, potential is starting to be realized in the lives of people that just don't have good positive role models in their lives. Um, and we as Christians are, are often stuck in churches waiting for them to come to us and they don't come to church. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that trust thing is really important in that. Um and I think that yeah, we see we see that all the time through uh the gospels, through the Bible of God extending a hand and waiting to build trust with people before people respond. Um and I think that <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. One one of my absolute one of my absolute favorite things about God is that um, God gives us space to ask who the heck are you and yep. you know stuff off and then we'll keep coming God will keep coming back yeah absolutely so nowadays what does street like sorry what does street light look like yeah, so now, um, yeah, four years in, um, we've had uh, some, some you know, good, healthy relationships built with uh, some of the local churches and 
Um, we've now got uh, about 30 volunteers from, I think, 12 different churches that, that we just come together, um, not with any agenda of, you know, we want to bring kids back to our church or, you know, we're trying to build our own empire, but simply just to see this is an opportunity where God's bringing, not my church, but his church, um, together in community to have a united impact where we are just building relationship developing trust and we're actually discovering his potential in the lives of people that are out in the street. Um, so every Thursday night, um, we, we set up a little space where a bit of a gathering point outside the, uh, the cinemas and food court at the local shopping center and uh, young people hang out there because they can, uh, there's a pub nearby and they can often either get some free drinks or free smokes from some people. Um, not from us. Um, we, we, we supply soft <laughs> Just drink. Just to clarify. <laughs> we supply soft drink and water um, and, uh, and that's all. Um, and, uh, and, and we just set up some simple interactive um, ways that young people can engage with us in a safe way, but it's opportunities for us to have a conversation. So we, we've converted a, uh, a, a popular teenage game at parties called Beer Pong. We play Water Pong. Um, and uh, we have you know, some music, some, we have henna, temporary tattoos. We have um, yeah, some games, um, cards. And then we just also have just the opportunity like, you know, if, for people to just sit down and have a chat. So um, it might be on a, on a hot night. We might have a, we've got a misting fan and we have Zupa Dupas and cold soft drinks and water that we give away. Um, anything that just entices a young person in that we can have a conversation with them and, uh, and over time that conversation leads to trust being built and it leads to us being able to ask God the question of God, you know, what are you doing in this young person's life? Can you show us something that they don't see in themselves? Can, you know, I believe that God wants to show us as, as followers of him potential in the lives of young people, their value that they don't believe, they don't see and we can speak it into being um, as we journey in life with them. Tell me more about that seeing potential in people. How does that inform what you do and the kinds of stories that you've seen? Yeah. So I guess, I guess it really started for me um, my very first week of youth ministry in Elizabeth. Uh, I visited a young family with a, the lady from the church and, uh, and this really challenged um, and, and probably really set me up for, for how I viewed ministry from then on. Um, this family had uh, six children in the home, single mum. There was five different parents, um, fathers for the kids, and all of the fathers were in prison. Um, there was just brokenness throughout the family, and, and really it, it actually redefined my understanding of what a broken family truly was because um, I'd never experienced anything like that before. And, uh, and in that one hour I was in the family's home, you know, not much food on the table, um, and uh, the mother pretty well prostituted herself out for drugs. Um, it, was, it was very um, traumatic experience for me to, just to witness. Um, and as I drove away from that family's house, um, I, I looked at the, the garage roller door and just saw this dented up, graffitied, um, you know, bricks dislodged from the house wall, uh, basketball ring, just you know, rubbish all throughout the yard. And my mind, in a bit of shock, went back to the farm and just thought, you know, what kind of car would be behind that roller door? Probably an old bomb that's like missing wheels, missing engine, covered in dust and doesn't drive. But God yeah, challenged matching me. Matching the outward appearance of the house. Yeah. yeah. And God took me to a scripture in, in 1 Samuel, verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 7, where, where God takes uh, Samuel to, to Jesse's house to anoint the next king of Israel and, uh, and challenges Samuel's perception of the next king um, you know, he picked the eldest son, the strongest, tallest, 
And, and God says, don't judge by the outward appearance because man looks at the outward appearance and judges, but God sees the heart. And so God challenged me that day, could I see beyond the outward appearance, the problems, and actually see the heart? And at the heart of all humanity is the image of God and because uh, that's how he's created us. So to actually be able to have that perspective shift um, and carry that forward into these, uh, these young people um, and, and to see that mirrored in the life of Christ when, when he comes and chooses his, his followers as a rabbi, um, he didn't pick those that society around him would think he would pick from the synagogue or the temple or in our modern day society, the church. He picked the tax collectors and the fishermen and, uh, and his words to them were, you know, um, reading between the lines a little bit was, you know, the world around you sees you as fishermen and tax collectors. You see yourself as fishermen and tax collectors, but I see more in you. And, uh, and I see that you're a fisher of men. You know, it, it, he adds that more to their life um, and then invites them on a journey to come along with me and I'll, I'll help you get there. I'll help you reach your potential. So I guess that uh, that really, um, those two experiences really help to shape um, the way that we encourage our, the volunteers from various church communities that we don't go out there onto the street to, to preach to kids. We don't go out there to, um, to try and you know, invite them back to our churches. We simply go out there to love them where they are, to listen to them, and to go on a journey with them to help them discover all that God's created them to be. Um, and that happens as we just build trust and um, journey in life with them. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any examples of where you've seen that kind of potential, where you've seen beyond what's in front of your face? Yeah, um, every Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's good. <laughs> but, it, but it happens. It, it, there's got to be this intentionality. I think that um, you know, it, unless we're being intentional, unless we're actually asking God the, the question of, God, what do you see? then we naturally slip back into this aspect of we just see the problems and we see the people causing problems as, as a problem to avoid rather than an opportunity to engage. So, so I think shifting our perspective on that, like, you know, we, we see young um, teenagers grappling with their, their gender identity, their sexual orientation. Um, we see teenagers, um, you know, experimenting with drugs or alcohol or other risk-taking behaviours. Um, and, and I think that, you know, when we come alongside of them, we're able to, you know, at, not initially, but as they see that we're people they can trust, um, they start to open up to us about, you know, the grapplings of, of I guess, you know, why they're um, working out what gender they think they are or their sexuality or, you know, they even we can even start challenging them on, you know, why are they taking these drugs or uh, pursuing this, this kind of lifestyle or entering into these relationships um, because we've earned the right to, to ask the question um, rather than going out there with the, the, the question at the front of our mind when we first get out there. Um, so, and, and to just be able to, to wrestle with those, those life issues with young people in a healthy context, um, I think that's been really um, yeah, foundational in, in, in building that and, and seeing young people I guess start to start to see something different in themselves, um, and start to see that yeah they aren't just a product of their environment. Um, that they you know like they 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 often see themselves as as you know not going to amount to much because this is their story. But when they can see that that's the their story is is a lot of the external circumstances, but they don't define their value. Um, 
they're able to see that their value is is so much more than um, just what's happened to them or what suburb they've been brought up in. Yeah, yeah. So for you and your your leadership team and the church communities that are feeding into and supporting um, the work that you and Streetlight do, what are the kinds of questions that you ask yourselves when you know you're getting ready to head down to the um, to the shopping centre for a Thursday night? Um, what are the kinds of questions that you use when you're planning, when you're thinking about, and when you're praying for the kids? Yeah, I think that um, a, a lot of it is is like I've said before that uh, you know God, what do you what do you see? Can we? Can we actually raise our awareness of what God is doing? That that we're not going out there to take God to these young people. That you know we believe that God is already alive and active, um, and He goes before us. That that God's desire to reach these young people is greater than ours. Um, so instead of us seeing that we are God's silver bullet, um, that uh, you know, or yeah. a bullet probably isn't the right metaphor there. Uh, <laughs> but instead of us being you know the the, the tool that God's going to use to, to reach, you know, that without us that, you know, you know we're, we're the winning ticket here. Um, yeah. We see that trying to raise, change our perspective of, you know, asking God, what are you doing in the life of this young person? Would you be able to help us to see how we can join in what you're already doing? Um, you know, entering into his redemptive um, story of, of, of redeeming and reconciling the world back to himself. Um, that we're just tools to be used by him. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, something that we often have to bring ourselves back to because we live in a society that is very I or me or self-centered. Um, it's all about me, um, about what I can obtain, who I can become, the money I can earn, the position I can have, the relationship I'm in, the house I... All, everything's about us. So to change our perspective from being self-centered to others-centered. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I think that we try to challenge ourselves as a community to, to not be thinking of ourselves, but to be thinking of the other. Um, and that's an that's a everyday challenge. So for Streetlight as a um, very personal, very um, literally street-based ministry, I know for churches and ministries across Australia, COVID has had obviously a massive impact and forced us to reshape and rethink how we're the mechanics of how we're doing things. What's COVID meant for Streetlight and how have you adapted? Yeah, so initially when when we um, when COVID first hit back in, uh, in Australia, really probably March was probably the, the big sort of moment for all of us. Um, my wife and I, um, like we about a year and a half, two years ago, we stepped out of our youth pastor role and we were We've been urban missionaries. We've been raising our own support for ourselves, for you know, just our life, um, the costs of the ministry, um, and uh, and we thought, you know, most of our financial support that we get comes from either regular donors or from churches that we speak at, um, and we probably get about fifty percent from yeah speaking at churches and and just you know once off donations from those engagements. So we knew straight away that about fifty percent of our income was going to fall away. And, uh, and we thought, all right, you know, do I go back to the farm? Do I go drive a truck? Do I, you know, what do I do to, to sort of make ends meet in this time? And we really felt this sense that God was um, saying, someone else needs those jobs and these young people still need us. Um, you know, for you and I, um, you know, being, you know, isolated at home, 
in some ways there was a, there was a silver lining because you got to spend a bit more time with family and um, you know uh, there were still challenges. Don't get me wrong, but for these young people, home was probably sometimes the least safe place for them to be. And so, as a as a team of volunteers, we just got creative and we sought to find ways that we could engage with these young people. We couldn't be where they were in person, but one place that all these young people that we engage with are is on technology, on social media. So we jumped online and just sought to have creative engagement with young people through um, positive um, encouragements, challenges, um, skills that some of our volunteers were good at, um, and just tried to keep remaining positive with them and be present where they were, uh, which has been a, a big thing for us in Streetlight, is not trying to get them to come to us, but we go to them. So seeing how we could still do that um, online with the technology we have, um, we did you know, Streetlight live on Instagram every Thursday night. Um, and, uh, and just, yeah, ways that we could continue the conversation, continue the relationship. And then, you know, a really amazing thing happened in the middle of um, the restrictions with COVID. Um, a longtime friend of mine and, uh, and prayer supporter for Streetlight contacted me and said um, she had an idea of doing a, uh, helping young people who were stuck at home cook healthy meals for themselves and their family. And, uh, and so we contacted the local shopping center, partnered up with Woolworths, and, and, and Big W, and we put together a program that uh, sort of changed the way um, a lot of us think of you know, a, a modern food distribution service called Uber Eats, and we developed a program called Street Eats, um, where we would take a bag of groceries to a family uh, of a young person, and then we would jump on Zoom and help them cook a healthy, hearty meal for themselves and their family each week for six weeks. Um, and, and that was just an amazing way to to journey with some of these young people um, and even have some face-to-face -face interaction with them at the front door of their homes um, for a period of you know, six to eight weeks. Um, so there's some fantastic things that came out of that. That's really cool. I love, um, and that's been the perpetual challenge of COVID has been how do we maintain the mission while potentially changing everything about how we do it? Um, yep. Now, so I think that that's, it's been how we can look at, you know, the same things. We, we can look at things as problems or we can look at them as opportunities. And so having that willingness um, that Streetlight has helped us do over four years now of changing our perspective, um, seeing the opportunity in the midst of the problem, um, I think really helped us gear up ready for, for COVID when we weren't, we, none of us saw it coming. Um, as, as we've been talking, partnership has been a really important feature of Streetlight's story and your story, partnering with the shopping centre management, partnering with churches. What does that idea of partnership mean for you? And like practically, what does it look like to implement and maintain those partnerships with a really diverse set of, um, for want of a better word, stakeholders? Yep. Um, I think what does it look like? Um, sometimes it looks like hard work. Um, it often looks like a lot of time, um, but um, you know, Jesus. One of the last things Jesus prays for is uh, is for unity, um, and, uh, and and Jesus desires unity. So we just go, you know, we're not about ourselves. Um, we're about Him, and we're about the world around us. So you know, it's something we just want to work hard for. It's something that I was fortunate enough in the country town I grew up in, in Balaclava, um, 
there was such a strong unity amidst the churches there. And, um, and so I guess part of me just grew up with, with unity. Um, and, uh, and then coming down to Adelaide, I, I just really desired to see that um, come together. And, um, and even, yeah, so even broader than just within different churches, out in the community, um, you know, we're seeking to be out there, but the space that we're entering, it's not our space. So I really felt God just, you know, again, through the life of Christ, he respected the places and, you know, the, the government and the, the people that were in power. Um, and so we just seek to, to ask permission not to just run into a place because, you know, we're in charge, um, but to really build the relationship even with council, um, with, with shopping centre. Um, and, uh, and, and I think it's, it's really beautiful that as we develop those relationships with, with places out in the community, that we have conversations with um, shopping centre management, with security members, with councils um, who, who aren't believers, but yet when we talk to them about why we do what we do and because you know, of, our, of our belief in Jesus Christ and what he did, they put two and two together and, and they go, you know what, if you say you believe in Jesus and you're out here trying to help people, that makes more sense than sitting in church. So, you know, there's a bit of an incongruence that we've seen from the secular world looking at church and Christians. Um, and I've got nothing against church. I think, you know, church is great and really important, yeah. but it can't be the only thing that we do. If we go to church but we don't live out church um, following Jesus Monday through Saturday, then, yeah, that, that's probably been a, a big challenge for us in seeing how do we actually show show for the world around us as well as for ourselves that following Jesus is an everyday occurrence, not just just on Sundays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. amen. Yeah. <laughs> so looking forward over the next 12, 24 months for Streetlight, what's the lay of the land? What's going to be happening? Hmm. Hard to answer that in the midst of, uh, of COVID. We uh, literally, just while we've been talking, I saw a pop-up on my, uh, my screen come up saying that uh, we've got to cancel our program for the next two weeks because uh, um, COVID's re-emerged in Adelaide. So thumbs up. Awesome. <laughs> Great. Um, oh, I'm sorry so, to hear that. Oh, it, it's all right. We'll, uh, we'll find some way to creatively engage again. Um, but who knows what's going to be ahead. But I think that, uh, you know, looking at it with a, a hopeful um, dose of optimism. Uh, God's really put a, a desire on, on my heart and the team's heart to see that what we're doing out on the streets in Elizabeth, that this is actually a, a model that can be replicated and reproduced in other locations. So um, already just in the last three weeks, the council has been uh, contracting us to go and engage with some kids causing um, trouble at the local skate park. Um, we've got other um, shopping centers, councils, churches around Adelaide and even beyond that are keen to learn from the style of of what we've been doing in Elizabeth and seeing how they can actually implement similar um, outreaches in their local community. So um, my heart for the next 12, 24 months would be to see um, how we can replicate what we're doing in other locations, seeing how churches don't just go and occupy spaces in their own community for their own benefit, but actually how churches come together with a sense of unity to see how they can actually um, learn, love, and, uh, and just journey alongside people in their community that wouldn't otherwise come inside the four walls of the church. Um, just following that model of Christ that he didn't, he didn't deny going to the temple or the synagogue, but he did much more than just that. Um, so you know, if we can help 
um, use our model, um, the, the way that we engage to assist other churches to get out in the community, um, then that would just be a, uh, that'd be a real blessing to see more young people, more people out in the community um, connected with, with the love and light of Christ um, in, uh, in new ways. So, mm, Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's really exciting. <laughs> so as we uh, sort of come to the end of our time together today, um, it's been absolutely awesome hanging out with you and um, hearing about your, your story and the work that you're doing. Um, is there anything in particular you'd like to say to young people who might be listening, leaders who might be listening and uh, feeling fired up and feeling passionate about the things that you've been talking about? Yeah, I think I'd say that, um, you know, we often feel um, hesitant about doing something new. We often feel wary about, you know, trying something because we might fail, we might fall over or we might get um, uh, offended by something that someone else might say. But I think that we've got to hold on to the fact that, you know, God is alive and at work. Um, COVID didn't mean that God started self-isolating. Um, God is still active and, uh, and, and seeking to redeem the world back to himself. So, you know, I think that if, if God's putting something like this on your heart, then find other people who are minded similar to you, that have that similar kind of passion and just support each other as you go out and, and see how God can use you in your own space because God's given you everything that you need to reach the people he's placed in front of you. Um, and, uh, and yeah, feel free to, to get in contact with, with others, myself, um, who, who may be able to just assist you along the way. So, you know, seek wisdom from, from those above you and around you, um, but don't be held back by, um, you know, what the world might say or, or your own thoughts might sort of, you know, try to prevent you from, from entering because of the problems that you might encounter. Um, see that Jesus always found an opportunity to engage um, in those that were on the fringe at the margins um, as a way to, to show them the love that he came to show. So, And if people do want to get in contact with you or find out a bit more about Streetlight, where can they do that? Yeah, so um, Facebook and Instagram at Streetlight Community. Um, all one word, um, or streetlightcommunity.org. Um, you'll, uh, you'll find ways to just follow along the story. Um, we have a newsletter that we send out um, sort of around every two or three months, and, uh, and there's stories you can read and follow us along the journey um, and, and maybe even get some tips along the way of how you can um, engage in your community um, network of churches um, or even just your next-door neighbor. So, yeah. Well, thanks so much, Ben, for being on the podcast today. Really, yeah, it's been an awesome conversation. Uh, awesome, Mitch. Thanks for having me on. Thanks heaps to Ben for joining us on Mission Unplugged. If you want to connect with Ben or find out more about Streetlight and what they do, you can check out their website at streetlightcommunity.org or find them on Facebook and Instagram at Streetlight Community. Thanks so much for listening to season one of Mission Unplugged. This is our last episode for the year um, and we're so happy that you guys have come on this journey with us. We'll be taking a break in January, but we'll be back in February with a new episode to start off season two um, and hear from some other great inspirational young people about what they're doing in Mission. If you enjoyed this conversation, please rate and review us so more people can find us and make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Join in the conversation right now on our Discord server at embody.org.au slash discord. Embody is a national community of young people passionate about mission locally, nationally, and globally. 
You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at EmbodyAU and visit our website at embody.org.au. All the links are in the show notes. Embody is part of the Global Mission Partners family. We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia and pay respects to elders past and present. We recognise their continuing connections to land, water and culture. Music in the show is by Josh Woodward. We'll catch you next time and thanks for listening to Mission Unplugged.